In this edition of Locked On Capitals, I am joined by Nova Caps as we talk about the very latest with your Washington Capitals. I'm going to talk about Alex Ovechkin and his goal chase. We'll talk about Tom Wilson and Nick Backstrom and what the latest is on them. We'll talk about all of that and more next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form. So head on over to YouTube and check it out. And when you're on YouTube, make sure and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the videos, give it a thumbs up. It really helps grow the channel. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. So in this edition, I am happy to say that we have Justin Trudell from Nova Caps. Justin, welcome into the show. Thanks, Ed. Happy to be here. All right, let's just get, get it going here right away. But first, Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Let's just get into it with Alex Ovechkin. Uh, we know that he is chasing down Wayne Gretzky. Um, and just the latest on Ovechkin is he opted to leave for Russia in the offseason. While some players face difficulties returning to North America, he decided to and was able to come back. Ovechkin now has 780 He's 21 away from number two, Gordie Howe, and 114 from number one, Wayne Gretzky. What is your outlook for Alex Ovechkin this season? Uh, you know, people always say, well, father time is undefeated, and, you know, he's got to slow down sooner or later. What are your thoughts on Alex Ovechkin? Yeah, so I actually have a post uh, that I wrote probably a couple weeks ago for kind of projecting the you know the next four seasons for Ovechkin what he has to do for you know, potential goals per season. So realistically, to break the record, he needs 115 goals, right? So that's somewhere around an average of 28 and three quarters goals. Uh, <clears throat> as we can see, like last season, Ovechkin didn't have any problems scoring goals. We see him in the, the high 40s to 50s the past few seasons. And, um, you know, especially with the pandemic shortened seasons that definitely hurt, you know, being able to do it faster. But for the most part, if we look at you know a pretty conservative analysis of how many goals per season Ovechkin needs to score to hit that mark of 895, it's you know 40 goals next season, 30 goals the season after that, 25 goals year three, and 20 goals year four to get him past that mark. You know, kind of looking like over time, we like you said, Father Time's undefeated, right? Like we're going to see some slowdown at some point. We haven't seen anything yet to say Ovechkin's going to hit that mark and slow down to, you know, 20 to 30 goals a year. But, you know, being very conservative in that estimate, I'm assuming that it's a matter of when, not if. 
Yeah, so then the biggest thing for me with Alex Ovechkin, like any other player, I guess, is just the ability to stay healthy. And I know he is the Russian machine that never breaks, but uh, we have seen him break a couple times here uh, within the last couple of seasons. But generally speaking, he plays through those injuries. Uh, the thing of it is, is that Ovechkin is going to be 37 uh, here um, in September. So that is the big thing is that, you know, just his health, you know, it's harder to stay healthy the older you get. And uh, the next player that kind of ties in with this is Nick Backstrom. And I know that Nick Backstrom and Ovi don't play on the same line too often anymore. Usually it's Kuzi on that top line, but Backstrom has assisted on 274 of Ovechkin's career goals. Ovechkin has assisted on 106 of Backstrom's career goals. Additionally, Backstrom has assisted on 117 of Ovechkin's and uh, 279 career power play goals. So, you know, it just seems to me that when they want that goal scoring touch, you know, say for some reason they're snake bitten and they're not getting that goal scoring touch, they put Ovi and Backstrom on the same line together. How do you think that Ovechkin is going to do just with those facts I just stated? A lion's share of his goals, or a good chunk of them, were with the assistance of Nick Backstrom. Do you think that Kuznetsov is up to the task of, of feeding him those those really great goals this next season? Yeah, I think at five-on-five five play, like you mentioned, Ovechkin and Backstrom have been apart for quite a, quite a while at this point. Right. Um, like you said, they're you know maybe like in the third period trying to stack up the lines, get Ovechkin a different look with Backstrom as the center. I think Kuznetsov at five on five play, if we see the 21, 22 iteration of Kuznetsov this season and potentially a couple more seasons after that until his contract expires and potentially leaves, I think Ovechkin and Kuznetsov are going to be fine at five on five play. Um, it really depends on who's playing on the other wing because we see a lot of success with Tom Wilson creating space. Um, he's got the speed factor, so he helps stretch the you know the play in the zone, especially on rush chances, helps muddy up the waters in front of that net. Um, so we see that kind of line chemistry making a big impact on Ovechkin. The biggest area we'll probably see some sort of effect of Nick Backstrom's absence is going to be on the power play. Uh, we, we saw a lot of struggles on the power play earlier in the season as Backstrom was out recovering from that injury. And... Are we going to see the same kind of thing this year? Does you know Dylan Strom, who's the new addition in the uh, in unrestricted free agency, does he come in, move into that goal line spot with Kuznetsov on the half wall, and we see you know pretty similar results with Backstrom? I don't know. I mean, Backstrom's probably one of the best playmakers that ever played the game, but you know we're always going to think back to Ovechkin and Nick Backstrom being like hand in hand as the kind of the two stars of the Washington Capitals in this generation. I think there will be some drawbacks in power play performance. But at the end of the day, like Ovechkin in the power play has always been like, you know, they're going to get the puck to them and teams have struggled to stop it in the past. It's just going to be to me, do we see 21, 22 Kuznetsov or 2020 to 21 Kuznetsov? Yeah, because when I talk to people and I've, you know, I do this show, I talk to different beat writers and stuff. And, you know, sometimes they're from different teams and they're like, I don't think that Ovechkin has what it takes. And I'm like, well, did you not see that he scored 50 goals last season? And, uh, you know, he got a bit of grief, you know, a couple of years ago when he fell off a little bit. And then, of course, you know, the way the media is, they're like, well, we have to trade him right away. You know, he he's he's slipping. But, you know, Alex Ovechkin always finds a way and uh, keeps scoring goals. But being that we're talking about Nick Backstrom and Dylan Strom here, Dylan Strom was picked up to ostensibly be 
the replacement for Nick Backstrom. Is that going to be what it is in actuality? I guess it remains to be seen. You know, in training camp, I think that's going to be a big proving ground for a lot of these players. You got to think someone like Connor McMichael is going to be fighting for more playing time as he has played a little bit in center. But Dylan Strom slated to be second line center in Backstrom's replacement. Um, the Capitals signed him to, to a one-year deal, 3.5. Um, do you think that Dylan Strom is up to the task of filling that second line center? You know, I know that he has the ability to play wing when Backstrom comes back, whenever that is. Do you think that Dylan Strom was a good option or do you think they had someone in house like, say, a Connor McMichael that would have filled that role, you know, maybe not better, but, uh, you know, maybe more cheaply, shall we say? Yeah, I think from my standpoint, when I'm looking at Dylan Strom, um, he played a lot of minutes with Chicago's like top end talent. We're talking Alex Dabrinkit and Patrick Kane. They put up good numbers. I mean, for a team that was really, really bad last year, um, I mean, we're looking at you know, a goals for percentage on a very bad Chicago team of 56.86%, which is solid, uh, what we're talking about there, with a 51.87 expected goals for percentage there. So for the most part, I think Dylan Strom has what it takes. He's played with elite talent before. I think the biggest question for Strom in terms of stepping in for Backstrom is on the power play, like we've mentioned in the, in previously. Right. Um, I think overall, like if we're looking at just point production last season, Backstrom had 31 and 47, Strom had 48 and 69. That's pretty much exactly the same points per game pace. Um, so I think offensively what we're seeing is Strom is a very gifted offensive forward. Like you said, can play left wing, can play center. Um, I think what we're looking at for Strom here is can he really solidify that chemistry with whoever's going to be on the second line with him, whether it's, you know, Mantha and Brown or some mix of Oshi and whoever else can kind of slide into that top line left or that second line left wing option. But for the most part, Strom, when he was non-tendered by the Chicago Blackhawks, I was one of the folks clamoring on Twitter, like the capital should absolutely sign Strom. Um, in terms of like McMichael challenging for that second line center position, I think he's probably not going to challenge for second line center. I'm not sure he's quite ready for that offensively. Um, I know with McClellan saying McMichael has looked better at center, he looks more involved. I think I tend to agree. You know, seeing him a little more involved in the corners and defensively, I think gets his game supercharged a bit more than playing on the wing. I would be interested to see how much McMichael pushes Eller for that third line center spot. I, I going into the offseason before Backstrom kind of had that, you know, back and forth with whether or not to get the surgery to clean up his hip or not. I w thought it was a foregone conclusion that Eller was going to be shipped out to save cap space. He's on an expiring deal. He's making three and a half million a year. His play has kind of regressed a bit. Um, we're not getting as much as we used to get out of him, but with Backstrom out, you have the like moving up the lineup flexibility with Eller. I would say Eller is still probably going into camp as pencil in third line center. I think if McMichael has a very strong camp, he could challenge for that and potentially Eller moves to that fourth line left wing spot that we saw in flashes last season. But for the most part, I think with Peter Laviolette's kind of reliance on veterans and experience, we're probably going to see a little bit more of Strom at second line center, Eller at third line center, down at fourth line center, and then Kuznetsov kind of leading up there at 1C.
Yeah, I was looking at uh, the projections uh, on the NHL network, and they were talking about having Connor McMichael fourth line left wing. You know, I know he played a little bit of center, uh, but I think that uh, the position that he likes the best is is the wing position. But it's going to be interesting to see. You know, one of the things that Brian McClellan said is just because you think you know where these players are going to fit, is that what it's going to be? In actuality, you know, there's a lot of these younger guys that are going to be fighting for these jobs. I guess it remains to be seen, you know, who where they land once the dust settles. All right. So after the break here, we're going to continue to talk about the Capitals. We'll talk about the Tom Wilson injury and we'll also talk about the net minding situation. We'll talk about that next. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. And guys, if you haven't signed up for this, really sign up for it. The NFL season has started and it makes the games watching so much more exciting. So bet online where the game starts. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. I'm happy to have Justin Trudell of Nova Caps as we talk about the very latest on your Washington Capitals. So the other big move in the offseason, and just to start it off here, I got to give Brian McClellan, Brian McClellan A-plus marks out there for kind of addressing every uh, uh, position of need out there. Um, if you look at, at the goaltending situation, if you look at the right wing and the center position, he took care of them all. The next one I want to talk about here is Connor Brown in place of Tom Wilson. And Tom Wilson is a bit of a four-leaf clover. You know, he has that big physical game. Plus, he's a great goal scorer. I know sometimes he gets lumped into being as a goon, but how many goons score 20-plus goals? So we do know that Connor Brown is going to be out until December. Uh, initial estimates were Christmas, but what I heard from Tarek Elbashir yesterday was that it could be the first week of December. So I guess it remains to be seen. Connor Brown, top line, right wing, and Wilson's replacement. Brown, who played seven NHL seasons for the Leafs and Senators, scored 10 goals and 29 assists in 64 games played last season. He's posted a career-best 21 goals, which he did in the 2021 season with Ottawa. Connor Brown was traded from the Senators to the Caps in 2024 for a second-round pick, 10 goals last season. Brown carries a $3.6 million cap hit headed into the 22-23 season. So do you think that Connor Brown was a good fit? Um, I, you know, I, he's not going to bring that that big physical game. Um, if you just take a look at his PIM minutes, for example, um, Tom Wilson last year had 98 and Connor Brown had 10. So just uh, taking a look at them, they are not an apples for apples comparison. But I will say that Connor Brown is a good band-aid, if you will, until Tom Wilson comes back. What are your thoughts on Connor Brown? Yeah, I've actually been a pretty big fan of from afar of Connor Brown's game. I mean, he's one of those guys that's like a perfect mix of has a nice snappy wrist shot, can score some goals. Like, yeah, he's not going to be scoring 30 or 40 goals, but for the most part, he can pot some. He's had 20 goal seasons a couple times. Um, I think on the flip side of like not being that kind of like tough or imposing presence that Tom Wilson is, he's a guy that plays in the penalty kill. Um, 
he ended up with the 16th most uh, penalty penalty killing minutes in the NHL last season um, with 166 and a half um, compared to Tom Wilson, who led the Caps last season with 125. So we're looking at you know, Connor Brown really kind of stepping in and filling two shoes, right? So he's coming in and being the penalty, penalty kill ace, um, taking over from Carl Hagelin over the past couple seasons. So for the most part, like you're getting kind of more bang for your buck from a Connor Brown who kind of fits that mold of, yeah, he's not going to be, you know, rattling cages and bumping guys a ton like Tom Wilson is. There's probably, you know, two other players in the league I put in the same category as Tom Wilson in terms of his offensive capabilities and his intimidation factor. And that's the the Kachuk brothers. Um, right. But for the most part, we're looking at Connor Brown, who can kind of play, you know, 200 foot game, has really solid stats when you look at him. So I think you get a guy who doesn't take a ton of penalties, will be available for penalty kill and really contribute there, um, you know, potting shorthand goals, especially. So I think he gives that nice mix of like, yeah, he's not Tom Wilson, but I don't think he needs to be. It's more or less the, the piece of like, he needs to do what he's good at, which is being a solid two-way player, potting timely goals and being that guy on the penalty kill that you can really rely on. Yeah, and I think that some of the other players are going to really kind of have to step up and fill that physical void that uh, Tom Wilson brings to his game. I know there's Garnet Hathaway out there. And you take a look at someone like Anthony Mantha, who's not, you know, intrinsically a tough guy. But the pressure was really on him uh, in that postseason uh, first series against the Panthers to, you know, Tom Wilson got eliminated in game one. Anthony Mantha, you have a big frame, put it to use out there, and you did see him smashing some guys against the boards. Um, I don't want him to be doing that exclusively because Anthony Mantha at points is an excellent goal scorer. But... um, that's what they're going to need. Otherwise, I think, you know, if there's that physical void, if they're getting worked over, there's other guys in Hershey, you know, like a Beck Malenstein or something like that could, that could step up and use his big frame. So the other big move out there, the biggest move, and I harped on this all last season, was the netminding situation. You know, and I, as I said in this podcast, if we went into next season with a Vanacek-Samsonov combo, feel free to bang your head against the wall because what is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing again and again and expecting a different result. So Brian McClellan heard that and uh, he cut bait with both of them. You know, Vanacek, it went to the Devils and Samsonov went up to the Maple Leafs. And they got two different netminders and they swung for the fences and connected by getting Darcy Kemper, the biggest name free agent on the market out there. And uh, also he wasn't done there. He picked up Charlie Lindgren, who is a bit of an unproven commodity. He kind of had flashes of greatness with the Thunderbirds last year and some flashes of greatness with the Blues. What are your initial thoughts on Darcy Kemper? There are some things that um, are a bit of concern with me, and this isn't spoke of often. I think everyone was just drunk drinking the Kemper Kool-Aid that they didn't hear about his, you know, kind of issues with health. Um, before I switch it over to you here, and I'll have you comment on this well as well, is his major bugaboo is his inconsistent health, throwing a wrench into his otherwise positive results. According to NHL Hockey Viz, the 31-year-old had missed 83 games through injury since his NHL debut in 12-13 and 50 in the last two seasons alone. And just last season alone, he took that stick up high um, and had to retrain his eyes even into the playoffs. Should we just overlook all of that and just concentrate on his really solid play with the Avalanche? Or how concerned are you with his history of injury? Yeah, I think for goaltending in particular, we've 
been we were really spoiled with Braden Holtby's like really yes. rigorous health. Um, I mean, we saw a guy who basically lost like lost zero time while he was with the Capitals. We had him as the backbone of the team for practically a decade. So I think when we look at that from the lens of like we're experienced with Braden Holtby, of course, Darcy Kemper's injury history is going to be a concern, and it should be. And I think for the most part we can can kind of consider that eye injury a freak injury right just like Haglin's, right like that's not a typical injury you see i mean the guy might <laughs> might be cursed at this point but i think for the most part when he is healthy he is absolutely a top 10 goaltender if we look back at last season's results i mean he was top five in goal saved above average which looks at the league average save percentage multiplied by the goals allowed uh, or shots allowed minus goals allowed. So we're looking at there, he's behind like Igor Shesterkin and right. uh, guys like that who are like at absolutely, you know, Vesna caliber goalies year over year. Um, so we're looking at a goaltender with the quality of Kemper. I don't think the Capitals could have done better this offseason in terms of signing Kemper. And for the most part, when healthy, we're going to see a high caliber goaltending in DC again. Um, you know, even like a lot of the concerns I've heard online or comments on posts I made is like Kemper posted good numbers behind Colorado, who was absolutely unreal last season. Like, absolutely, that's something we should definitely take into account. Like, they're a very good team. They have probably the best defenseman the league has seen in a long time in Kale McCarr. Um, at the end of the day, Good good teams still have goaltenders that face high quality chances against. Kemper did very very well. I mean, we're looking at goals saved above expected, at uh, you know really high marks. He was ended up fifth in the NHL with that. And the crazy thing is, the Metropolitan Division is so stacked goaltending wise with Sorokin, Shesterkin, um, even Frederick Anderson, who had a really good season in in uh, Carolina last year. Uh, you know. Overall, I don't think folks who watch the Caps year like day in day out know how big of an upgrade this is going to be. Um, in goal saves above average for Vanacek and Samsonov, Vanacek was 53rd in the NHL. Samsonov was 144th. And yeah, you know, we're looking at you know not only just like at the league average level, but also versus just overall expected goals against. Um, Vanacek was 68th and Samsonov was 104th. So we're going from, you know, really, really subpar goaltending from both players in the tandem. You know, we saw some flashes for Vanacek where he looked like, you know, potentially the long-term option. Then we saw, you know, just complete struggles. Uh, so I think what we ended up paying for in free agency was that consistent when healthy performance from Kemper and Lindgren showed definite flashes like you mentioned i mean he he had unreal marks <laughs> as a kind of like a throw in in st louis you know, getting five appearances uh four of which are starts he came in relief for one appearance he ended up going 5-0-0 um so i mean lingren while unproven he's going to be an upgrade over whatever back backup goal we're going to look at and on top of that if we look at you know the overall money we'd be spending in net if the if the dollar amount was a concern to folks about Kemper, with Vanacek getting about four and a half million from the Devils, and if we had kept Samsonov as well, that you know 
tender or that qualifying offer would have been, you know, two and a half million. So we're paying seven million essentially for two very, very league average or worse goaltenders, as opposed to what we're paying um, Lindgren and Kemper to be kind of like solidifying the back end there. So if there was any big question for the Capitals ending entering the offseason after being bounced in the playoffs for the fourth year in a row uh, in the first round is how do we get better goaltending? Because we need that timely save. You see it time in, time out. Like even with Braden Holby, who struggled in the cup year uh, during the regular season, he came in in relief for Philip Grubauer and just had you know tremendous results in the postseason. So you need those kind of timely saves to really get over the hump in the playoffs. And I think that's what we're banking on with Kemper and Lindgren. Yeah. And I mean, I hate to nitpick out there because people are like, Dan, you're never happy. I mean, what goalie could they have picked? And I'm not, I'm not trying to nitpick. I'm just saying, you know, you got to kind of take the, you know, the face off the clock and look at the gears and see who is this person, you know, really solid record, but you know, that, that uh, history of injury is a bit concerning. And if you want to take a look at a team, the good thing about the Capitals is I think they have, you know, a number good number three option as well in Zach Fucale, you know, another guy that showed uh, flashes of greatness. He had three shutouts in a row in Hershey last year. So, I mean, if you want to take a look at a good example, take a look at Louis Domingue uh, getting inserted into a game. He's like, I was just eating rice and spicy chicken and they just threw me into the game. So it's always good to have depth. Uh, in the net mining uh, position and the Washington Capitals always seem to have really great depth in that position. All right. So after the break, we're going to continue to talk about the Capitals and where we think they're going to finish. We'll talk about that next. All right. Welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. In this edition, I'm happy to say I am joined by Justin Trudell of Nova Caps as we talk about the latest with your Washington Capitals. So the next thing I want to talk about is where do you think the Capitals will finish this year? I know that we don't have crystal balls in front of us to predict the future, but based on what we've spoke about today, the additions that have been made to the team, the Strom, the Brown, the Lincoln, Grin, the Darcy Kemper, where do you see the Capitals finishing? You know, there is some tough competition out there. Some people are already favoring Carolina and the Rangers to finish, you know, respectively in the top of the Metro. What are your thoughts with the Capitals? Where do you see them finishing at the end of the year? Yeah, I think they're going to be battling for that third or fourth spot in the division fourth spot being the wild card. Uh, I did a projection based off of um, goals above replacement at the team level uh, a couple weeks ago on Nova Caps, and we looked at that. Um, for the most part, the Capitals are a team that does not project well with advanced analytics, where we're looking at a veteran-heavy lineup. A lot of players are on the wrong side of 30. Those projections don't always look great. I think with you know the upgrades that we have, in net with Darcy Kemper and Charlie Lindgren, plus Connor Brown, plus Dylan Strome. Um, you know, removing Justin Schultz from the lineup will actually probably pay some positive results for the Capitals. Um, but for the most part, I am a I'm a believer in the Rangers. I think with if we see the same Shesterkin we saw last season, they're just gonna be a tough team to beat. And I think they ended up upgrading over Ryan Strome with Vincent Trocek and they're going to be a tough team to, to beat, especially if, you know, Alexis Lafreniere takes that next step. Um, Carolina, deep as always. You know, they added Brent Burns in the offseason, which is interesting. Um, is he going to be Brent Burns of old? Eh, probably not, but they also resurrected uh, Anthony D'Angelo's career there and made him look like a you know top-end offensive defenseman again. So I think 
we'll probably see some order of Carolina and New York at the top two. I am probably going to get flack for this, but I won't ever count out the Pittsburgh Penguins while they have Sidney Crosby on their on their roster. He's still so good, and for the most part, like I think it's going to be a battle between the Caps and the Penguins for that third and fourth spot, and we'll see that there. The true wild card for me in this division, in terms of could they finish first or you know be right back where they were last year, is the New York Islanders. I mean, they mm-hmm. had a couple deep runs in the playoffs, back to back years. Um, they still have very very solid goaltending. If they stay true to their kind of de- defensive first system that we've seen under Trotz, and will likely continue under Lane Lambert. We could see that you know complete flip of the script, and they could be very good again. But for the most part, I think you know they're probably if we're just looking from last season to this season, they're probably fifth or sixth. Um, the Devils are also another team that I think could take that next step if they get quality goaltending. That's a big question with Mackenzie Blackwood and Vitek Vanacek. Um, really familiar with Vanacek, obviously, as being Caps fans, but uh, Mackenzie Blackwood looked very good a couple of years ago, um, and he's really dealt with a lot of health issues so if they can really take that next step it's going to be on the back of those two netminders but for the most part we're probably looking at you know top three of the rangers the hurricanes and then pittsburgh or washington yeah and as i take a look at it you know my end goal for the end of this season is you know obviously a stanley cup would be the above all end all goal but just to make it past the first round and as I've spoke to people, they're like, well, they're not going to even make it to the playoffs. So there is a lot of negative energy about this team. They talk about an aging roster, uh, but there's a lot of teams out there that are in a similar position. Like you talked about the Penguins and the Bruins and the Islanders. And uh, I guess it remains to be seen uh, what ends up happening there. But uh, Justin, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, before I let you go here, why don't you tell everyone where we can find your work um, I always look forward to, to reading the latest from Nova Caps, whether it be on Twitter or on your um, official page there. So tell us where we can find your work. Yeah, definitely. So you can find my articles in readable format on any device on NovaCapsFans.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, you can get my hot takes at, at StayTrue20 uh, with TRU instead of <laughs> TRUE. Um, so if you want to interact with me there, happy to. Um, and you can see my retweets of my articles that get posted on Nova Caps. All right. So, Justin, once again, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Thank you for making Locked On Capitals your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. So, once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals. And I'll talk to you again next time.